Welcome to the first episode of Movie Howl. My name is Ryan, and my co-host Joe and I discuss movies of all kinds in the hopes of entertaining our listeners, lending new perspective, and helping you find something to watch and enjoy. Before we get into the episode, I must warn you that this was only intended to be a practice recording, but we have decided to publish it, so please excuse the rough quality and background noise. Please enjoy our review of the masterpiece that is the South Park movie. So South Park the movie. South Park the movie. That's right. What's your history with this? Why'd you recommend it? Uh, I was a big South Park fan, especially at the time that it came out back in 1999. Um... When it came out, it was easily the funniest movie I'd ever, even to this day, maybe had seen in the theater. Laughed so much, I just hurt for a few days afterwards. And certainly not because I did 100,000 sit-ups just from laughing at this movie. It does seem like it goes a lot farther than a normal episode. It does. In terms of what it is allowed to do and say and mm-hmm. depict, like uh, Big Gay Al. Hey, hey, a little bit of full frontal. I mean, you know, there there certainly was uh, cartoon, cartoon penis, and testicles in this movie. Mm-hmm. So, what I noticed about it, and this is something that I've noticed about a couple different sort of cartoon properties, is that I think a lot of them try to replicate what The Simpsons did. In terms of being a cartoon that's adult-oriented and topical. But what The Simpsons does that a lot of them don't seem to do is they have a theme. Or they have some kind of overarching message. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think it was the first episode of The Simpsons is where they get uh, Santa's Little Helper, the Mm -hmm. dog. At the dog track. Yeah, they go to the dog track. They have something come up where they have to spend all the Christmas money. And then Homer spends the episode trying to figure out how to make money. And he ends up like going to Santa school. And Working he Santa. Mm-hmm. blows all the money on the Santa suit and stuff like that. And he ends up having like no money left at the end. So he goes to the dog track. And, uh, oh my God, what's the drunk's name? Barney. Barney, yeah, Barney. Barney Gumble. Barney's telling him that he is a surefire horse to bet on or dog to bet on uh-huh. but he, he doesn't do it he bets on Santa's little helper but at the end like the guy's chasing the dog out and they get it so the whole thing is Homer being an idiot with money and making the wrong decision over and over again but he's trying to do the right thing and in the end like the whole time the family's like where is he what's going on you know I mean the Marge's sisters are I think are like oh you know Where's your husband? Like, what's he doing out on Christmas Eve? I'm not big fans of Homer. But he comes back with the dog. And they're just excited that he's there. And for all of the crudeness that The Simpsons has, it usually has these things where it's these themes of growth and development and doing the right thing mm-hmm. and this one the moral was like the presents don't matter what absolutely this is you being there like as worked, a family worked all this time to get the money but that's not what mattered oh this dog this living creature who we now get to bring in and be part of our family mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think some of the shows like American Dad or Family Guy 
sort of skip that. The characters might go through something in the episode, but they sort of reset to zero. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess The Simpsons do, to a point. There's uh, an episode where Homer becomes sort of a safety advocate when he realizes that he can get stuff done really easily by just like going to City Hall and being like, we need a sign here for this. Yeah, just putting the, the And it's all over the there. newspaper, and mm-hmm. then Mr. Burns offers him either some kind of like cushy position to just stop or it's something like that and Homer yeah he'd been out. fired yeah. from the plant and he didn't have anything to do and so this became his new thing to do yeah and you know in his own homer way he was really good at it and then because of safety issues that the plant was having they were going to bring this new deacon of safety mm-hmm. and parade him as the one but not really do anything and yeah he couldn't he couldn't bring himself to lie to the people and you know, betrayal. I've I'm this guy. I can't betray all their trust. Yeah. And at the end he's looking down at the crowd and he's looking at his family mm-hmm. or they're cheering for him and he's like he's like, I can't just leave. And they're like, Okay, well, you do the job or or however it goes and he's like, Okay, I'm gonna and he goes out and announces like I'm gonna be working at the plant as the safety person. So right. it's all you know, okay. So what am I getting? Yeah, the typical South Park episode. I I don't watch the show a ton. I don't watch it as much as you or Jim. Um, but I do think that this movie in particular had a lot of themes running through it. Mm-hmm. They actually made it a coherent arc, which a lot of the episodes... I mean, they, they have a story. They have a thing that they're doing, like the episode where the internet goes down. Right. Like, there's a beginning and an end. But this one, it was them going to see the movie. They're kind of, in a tongue-in-cheek way, portraying the town as being idyllic in a Disney sort of way. Right. And then they're corrupted by this movie. And so there are sort of three things running through it that I noticed that was, boy wants to get with the girl. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's trying to figure out how to deal with liking somebody and how to deal with the possibility that she likes somebody else. There's the relationship and power issue between Saddam Hussein and Satan. And that is a relationship. And there's this uh, struggle between like responsibility and you know maturation and preserving innocence and pushing that blame off on somebody else Mm -hmm. and just trying to wall yourself off. And in the end, they all kind of come together and, and they culminate in that moment where the kids stand up to say this isn't right which is probably giving this movie a lot more credit than maybe anybody else ever has no um i think it's south park has always been unafraid if nothing else if, if you can label them with nothing else they are a hundred percent unafraid to tackle any particular issue i think this movie even 20 years later holds up in the fact of issues that are still being dealt with right now. Um, tolerance. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you tolerate? Why is one thing okay? This is okay, but that's not okay. Horrible graphic violence is fine, as long as nobody says any bad words. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, Or, and this is something that I've talked about a lot before, as one of those personal issues that I get on about, hmm? like... Why is it not okay to show a body 
that is to say a living person, but like more of the body than you would normally see. Somebody in a state of undress, somebody having sex, stuff like that, because that is something we all do. I mean, there are probably there are people out there who might not, or they might have different tastes, that might not do exactly what's on the screen, but it's a natural thing that most people do, mm-hmm. and there's nothing really wrong with it, assuming you've checked all your boxes. Right, 100%. <laughs> Everybody's consensual. And with violence, that's something you should never see. Like in a show like Bones, it's common to see a body that's eviscerated or rotting or whatever, and that's something that the ordinary person is never going to encounter. But for some reason, pop culture is kind of preparing us for that. It's never going to happen. But a kid walk, you know, one of your kids walking outside, if they saw a dead body, they'd probably be more prepared to deal with that than they would be if there were like two people making out or like nipples that were showing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Sure. There's even an episode of, I think it was, or a scene. I saw this brought up in another conversation about this where I think it was True Detective. But there's a murder and the body is posed in this particular way and it's really gruesome. But everything has to be staged in a way such that the nipples and stuff on this body are not visible. Absolutely, of course. The like intestines sticking out and blood everywhere, that's fine. But even in that circumstance, that's what they're worried about. They're not worried about scarring you by seeing like the inside of a human body spilling out. They're concerned about nipples, which we all have. Right? I mean, unless you're like some kind of test tube baby... Maybe I missed a meeting, but I think we all have them. Yeah, I've always found that a little odd as well, that all the the things that are okay violence-wise to show. And you're, it's just, you're 100% right. I think, I think part of this could be the fact that with violence and showing violence or things like that, it's because you know most people... The vast majority of people aren't going to encounter that stuff. Certainly aren't going to go out and murder a bunch of people. You know, commit these type of violent acts. Whether, you know, it's a, a Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando blowing away a hundred bad guys in the mansion, whatever. You know. Or watching Dexter, the mm. serial killer who... Serial killer with a heart of gold, I guess? Yeah, yeah. Who kills the bad guys. Um, but it's because that's never going to be the case for most people. But the other way with nipples, I mean, you know, you've been a little boy, little boy sees nipples on the screen. They're interested. It's like, well, what's, what's up with those? I want to, can, where, where can I get some of that? Mm -hmm. And so it's by trying to censor that aspect more, you're hoping to keep the innocence of that with. Obviously, the younger crowd, your kids, whatever, um, more so because, you know, once teenager, early 20s, young adult, I mean, that's that's the time. That's when you, you know. You're figuring stuff out. Right? You got to, uh, what did, uh, what do you say in Jurassic World? You got to eat. You got to hunt. You got to. Certainly you can relate to at least one of those. 
<laughs> but it's, uh, I mean, that could be why it is with society that they see it that way. But I've always thought that was it's strange. It's just so far out of the norm that you wouldn't even consider it as like an option for your daily life. Right. Whereas, you know. Like, what are you going to do today? Well, I saw this episode of Dexter recently and. Ah, I thought about getting some plastic sheeting. Yeah, give that a try. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas you could go and, you know, teenagers go see that movie. Maybe they should. And it's like, that looked like fun. And that was it. Do you, do you, can you put your legs like that? Let's go find out. And we don't want that because then there's babies. And I don't want more babies. More babies in the world at all. Yeah. There's too many. Too many. Too many people. Too many. Yeah. You, so maybe we should talk about what exactly the plot of the movie is. So it starts, like we said, almost like a Disney musical. Mm-hmm. There's sort of the, the song that's a statement of who they are, where they are, what kind of life they're leading. And it's contrasted with the reality. They're stepping over homeless people. And there's like... The people in the idyllic town are kind of... Yeah. Like, oh, hey, good morning. They're like, oh, hey, fuck off. You know? Basically, yeah. And then the kids go to see a Terrence and Philip movie. Hmm? They all find their own way of getting out. And there's foreshadowing in the form of Kenny being warned that if he does not go to church on Sunday, you he's will going answer to, hell. to Satan. Yep, he will answer to Satan. I did find it odd. This time when I watched it and all the boys are in the movie theater and they're loving the curse ass fest that is going on in this movie. And yet the adults are getting up and leaving like it's total horrible garbage. It's Terrence and Phillip. It can't be that far from what you would have expected to get. They they wouldn't know what they were getting into. At minimum, the farts. I don't even watch the show a lot and I knew what it was going to be like. Right? Like it's Terrence and Phillip. So if you're going to go see a Terrence and Phillip movie... Presume you know who they are, and you know what you're at least a little bit getting into. Yeah. So after seeing that, they immediately come out acting like those characters. Saying the same lines. Mm-hmm. Just And it's something I think everybody can relate to. Everybody's walked out of, like, rush hour and <laughs> was like, somebody start something with me. Right? <laughs> sure. I get that. Right? Yeah. Or for me, it was like walked out of Batman Begins. I was like, all right, how old am I now? How long would I have to train to get like that? <laughs> Where could I get funding? Like, I can make this happen. Sure, absolutely. Of course you can Somehow. make this happen. And then, like we alluded to before, the parents, upon hearing them talking this way and acting like this and behaving like this in school and getting in trouble, they look for a scapegoat. Right. Oh, and Kenny dies. And Ken- I mean, goes to hell. Yeah, I mean, he, that's just a thing that the story has to do to you know, get the world of below to meet up with the world of above. But does anybody really care that Kenny died? Come on. Not really. Not I think really. we're probably desensitized to it after 20 years of it. Yeah, it's okay. But, and it's kind of interesting that in that way, Kenny is kind of what brings us into the story going on in hell. Mm-hmm. As a He's 100% observer. that. Yeah. So we have... What is it, Stan? That was the main one we were kind of following mm-hmm. on Earth. And then... Yes, he's the one with the girl. Yeah. Trying to get with Wendy. 
because he's the main focus. Mm-hmm. He's the one that we're seeing it through there. He's the one kind of realizing, you know, the the blaming, the way the kids are acting on Canada is not necessarily the right way to go. And uh, Kenny is the one telling Satan that Saddam Hussein is bad news and using him. And uh-huh. he needs to stand up for himself. That happens. They start a war with Canada. Canada does a sneak attack during a USO show where the kids are trying to free Terrence and Philip, who've been imprisoned and are mm-hmm. about to be executed in a very public way. They are. And as everything goes wrong, Satan sees the error of his ways and taking Saddam Hussein back. Thanks, Kenny, by granting Kenny one wish. And mm-hmm. Kenny puts the world back as it was. After the kids stand up to the mothers. Mm-hmm. And tell them that they can't blame somebody else for their own misdeeds and are then ignored as Sheila kills Terrence and Phillips anyway. She does indeed. And uh, the blood spilling allows Satan and Saddam Hussein to be free to conquer the earth. This movie, unlike lots of movies that we're going to watch and talk about, um, something that is good to talk about for things like this. Uh, at least sometimes it's going to be care. How did the characters develop? What sort of? I mean, as far as getting to know the characters, there's zero character development. They are a hundred percent going with the fact that you know the show, you know these characters. Yeah. Carmen is Carmen. Kyle is Kyle. Stan is Stan. The only one that kind of develops is Kenny because Kenny's usually an extremely passive character. Mm-hmm. From my experiences with the show. Like, he usually doesn't do a lot to drive the story forward. Absolutely. He's a reactive person, or he's sort of a prop. At least off in a different way up time. to the point where in this movie came out. That's how he yeah. was as a character on the show. Um, he was much more important in the movie than he had been previously on the show at all. Yeah, and he makes a very selfless decision to mm-hmm. help his friends and all that. And then he gets to go to Big Titty Heaven. Big Titty Heaven. Like, which is... It's a good gig. Yeah. Probably nice. Decent band name. It's not great. But it's not horrible. It's not horrible. You would have that in like, or if it was a club, it'd be in Belleville instead of Sanjay. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Okay. I wanted to ask your opinion on this. Just straight, just a, how you felt about it. Did you like this movie? Hmm. I did like it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I did like it. I didn't expect to like it. Because okay. I've seen a lot of South Park I didn't... That didn't... I don't know. Just didn't hit me. Right. I get it. Like, it just... Mm-hmm. It's not for me. You know, a lot of their stuff, it's commentary that... It doesn't hit me right, or it seems overdone. And this... I mean, it's South Park. I feel like we're taking it really seriously, talking about it. I feel like I'm taking it really seriously... With the way I described it as having these themes of, mm-hmm. you know, responsibility and growing up and, and all these things. But it, you know, it has tons of fart jokes, tons of swearing. It's stupid. The animation is really basic. It's exactly what you expect it to be, being a South Park movie. But it does have these themes running through it that are lacking in a lot of modern stuff. And you said this came out in 1999? 99. It's really relevant today, I think, Mm -hmm. because at the end, Satan says that the thing that allowed him to come to Earth 
was so much discourse between people. Yeah, all the intolerance in the world. Yeah, you've, you've allowed my coming. Yeah, and that's it's it's a it, we're at a higher level with that of intolerance than we ever have yeah. been. Yeah, and I think just my own personal commentary about it. I think there are a lot of reasons for it. I think people have a lot of trouble. First point, I think people have a lot of trouble accepting responsibility, which is a theme of this movie. Mm-hmm. I think people have a lot of trouble with discussions, which, again, is something we saw in this movie. There's the scene where the Canadian minister or whatever mm-hmm. is talking to Sheila. Minister of movies. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that's a real thing. <laughs> I wonder if they created a minister of movies. That'd be, that sounds like such a cool position. Maybe that should be the name of the podcast, Ministers of Movies. Oh, man. Uh, man, I'll have to redo the logo. Uh, But, yeah, even then, she's like, instead of talking, she's insulting him, Mm -hmm. which is funny. Because, for whatever reason, Canadians in that show, I'd never really realized it before. But only Canadian characters, the head flops up and down. Yep. Instead of just a normal mouth. Yeah. Uh, And then when they're in the UN talking about it, everybody's making fun of the way that they say a boot instead of talking about the issue, which, again, is something that happens Mm -hmm. now. Like, people get on Facebook and Twitter and whatever, and instead of, to me, they don't seem to argue the issue. They seem to argue about the people who are involved in it. I can see that. Because there are, the guys who host Mysterious Universe, they're Australian. Okay. In one of his tweets, he, he said that this protest looked cultish. He said that, like, the cult of woke. And he had this video clip. And it does look like a cult. It looks exactly like what you think a cult would look like. Okay. It was a bunch of people sitting around, a lot of them cross-legged, watching a main person talking. And it was a call and response sort of thing. They would call out a certain thing. Those people would respond in a certain way, a lot like a church service. Okay. Where there's a certain thing you're supposed to answer back with. Yeah. So I get that. Somebody from the other side of the world sees this thing and then is like, this is what your protests are like? It looks like some kind of church service. I mean, a cult literally is a s- small religion. Like the definition of it is a small, unknown, sort of underground religion. Yeah. And there are all these people who are like just going crazy about it. And I... I don't usually tweet anything, but I actually tried to respond. I was like, this guy's from Australia, and he makes fun of Bigfoot for a living. Maybe you shouldn't be so worried about what he's saying. And also, technically, he's right. This looks like a religious ceremony of some sort. Like, this does not look like a normal protest. This doesn't look like a picket line. Like, this particular video is unusual. saw some people holding signs today. I knew what they were doing. Yeah. It was protest. You know what that is. Yeah. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. He didn't say there's anything wrong with it. He just said, oh, this looks like a cult. Hmm? I, I got, uh, years ago, was at a Halloween party at a friend's house, and it was her house. She comes walking downstairs in her costume. Her costume is basically a cloak with a hood. Um, this is back in the day. I played D&D a lot, things like that, read stories like that. She comes down and I say, oh, you look like a druid. I got, it's the only time it's ever happened. I got smacked hard in the face by this girl because I called her a druid. And she thought I was making fun of her because apparently her mom was Wiccan. And I'm like, everybody, the party stopped. Like, what? 
Everybody turns and looks. Hmm. And they were all like, you, you know, that's not, nobody's, it's okay. It's like not a bad thing. It's just, I just thought you looked like this like, thing. This. That might be what you're dressing up as. Right? Like, is that what you want to <laughs> look like? I didn't know that's not what you want to look like. Yeah. I, there was a Liz at work. Mm -hmm. I was going to say there's a woman, but you know her, Liz. Mm -hmm. She came in the one day with these boots on. And were they made for walking? They, I don't think they were. Probably not. They looked like the boots that Kira Knightley wore in the Pirates movies. Okay. I think I had just seen one of them, and they made me think of that. Okay. Like, she just walked in, she was wearing these, I, I happened to look over at her, and I was like, oh, those are really cool boots. Like, they look like the boots the chick wore in the Pirates movies. And she's like, so what are you calling me, a pirate? I was like, no, I just think they're really cool. They remind me of the ones from this movie. And I was just saying that. And she's like, well, what are you trying to say by saying they look like boots from a pirate movie? And I was like, I just, I just, I just said, I don't understand what's happening right now. I'm trying to compliment you. I think they're cool. And I think you look nice today. I'm just going to turn around now. And I just spun back around on my chair and went back to work. <laughs> it's like, it, it's so easy. And she let it go. She to... just continued to walk on. To misinterpret, yeah, what but your intentions are. Anyway, bringing this back to what I was talking about, there, there's this this approach that we have nowadays where you don't argue the facts; you argue about people. You know, it's not this is the truth, and let me persuade you why. It's you're an idiot, and let me tell you why you're an idiot. Not there's no persuasion, and it seems like in a lot of cases people are more interested in being. And, and winning their argument and being right. They don't mm -hmm. really care about the facts. Yeah, it's not It's not even about persuasion. It's There's no discussion. Mm -hmm. You Even if the two people know, I'm not going to change your mind, you're not going to change my mind, but we could still sit here and discuss this topic. Mm -hmm. Like, that still happens. There's still lecture halls and things where they bring in two sides, you know, different famous talking heads to come in and debate a point. But, like... It it so often devolves into that. Like, I don't want to just discuss with you why I believe what I believe. I just want everybody to see you as a flaming bag of crap. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I'm going to portray you. And hopefully by doing that, that will win me the argument. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's intolerance for that reason. It's intolerance because... When you get to that point, I mean, everybody knows this term, you heard it in college and stuff, but it's confirmation bias, which is a tendency to look for things that confirm what you already believe rather mm -hmm. than what's real or what's true. So, and news stations, I mean, all of it is driven by money. Mm -hmm. Like news stations want you to watch because they need you to watch so they can get ad revenue so they can keep doing business. Yep. So some of them have started to cater to certain markets. So you're going to hear a lot more, you know, right-leaning or left-leaning points, depending on who you're listening to. And then online, it's sort of the same thing. And it's, I think, unintentional. I think it's unintentional because what you look at on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter are informed by their algorithms that they use to recommend stuff that they think you're going to like. Mm -hmm. So I've been looking at cars lately. I've been looking at trucks. 
So now in my recommended feed, I'm getting stuff about trucks. If you look up stuff that's like, I mean, you don't even have to be looking at like, why are the Democrats so evil? Or why are the Republicans trying to ruin healthcare? You just look up stuff about those points and naturally the YouTube rabbit hole or the Facebook algorithm are probably going to guide you down one path or another because one is going to seem more interesting to you and at a point you're going to get to to be sort of isolated from the other side. So you're going to be sort of in your own echo chamber. Mm -hmm. Does this make sense? Yeah. Like I've noticed that on Facebook, because Facebook no longer, I mean for a long time, Facebook hasn't shown just what your friends are posting in the order they're posting it. It shows you what it thinks you're going to be interested in. Or what is, what's going to get your attention, what's going to get you to keep using it and looking at ads and clicking on stuff and okay. whatever else. They're all trying to get as much of your time as possible. And that means that the algorithm's going to say, oh, hey, there was this article about this thing the Republicans did. Let's give it more Republican-related stuff. And then it's going to bring up more posts that are like that, and it's going to connect you with more people that are like that. And your stuff that is pro-Republican is not going to show up on somebody else's feed who's pro-Democrat because yep. it's going to be automatically filtering a lot of that kind of stuff out or displaying it in a way where it's harder to get to. I have 100% noticed that with so, YouTube when I use it. Yeah. Just it, straight up. It seems to be this thing where people on either side go, how can the other side be so dumb? Like, are they not seeing the facts? And they are literally not seeing the same facts you are. Right. That's what it is. I mean, I think both sides have to have valid points to have the amount of support that they do, but somehow we've gotten way worse at sharing it and talking about it and taking responsibility for mistakes or being able to say, oh, I see what you mean there. That's a good point. Yeah, because that's a concession. Mm -hmm. And you can't, if you concede a point to somebody that might mean that your argument isn't as strong and you're actually listening listening to what the other person is saying and that's not the kind of thing that happens anymore. I hadn't thought about it that way, but you're right as far as it's we're being separated by our media. Yeah. Without I mean, I'd never really thought I knew that was happening. I knew that when I click on this, this is gonna bring me more videos that are similar to that. I mean I understand that. But it is if it's as if it's not divisive enough. Yeah. Just all the media that you watch in general. And to be clear, I haven't done any real research on like how the algorithms work mm -hmm. or what they're doing. I watched that documentary, The S Social Dilemma, I think on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Talks about a lot of this stuff. And they have that line, like you are literally not seeing the same facts as other people who are on the other side of the aisle. But I have seen it in my own personal stuff. Like, I, there are a couple YouTube channels that I have watched videos from where they talk about YouTube policies and practices sometimes and, you know, things that they're doing well, things that they're doing wrong. But they kind of lean towards pointing out where, I don't know, like a social agenda, like a progressive social agenda is going wrong or maybe going too far. Maybe punishing people for having more traditional views. 
and it's not something that I was seeking out, and it's not something that I was actively watching, but I have noticed that videos like that seem to be getting into my recommended stuff now. And it wasn't something that I was looking for before. Okay. It's just I happened to see some of the stuff that got shared with me. That was about, like, here's a new Facebook, or a new uh, YouTube policy, and here's this person that got banned, and or, or got a copyright strike for some mm-hmm. reason. And then it's, like, bringing up all this other stuff, like, YouTube's evil because they're doing this, and Disney's evil because they're doing that. And that's my personal example of how that's happened. And, and on Facebook, I know that they're curating the feed because I know that Tasha's constantly posting stuff related to cats and fosters. And I know Shannon is constantly posting stuff related to cats and fosters. And I never see any of it. I don't ever look at it. I don't think I've ever clicked on one of those pictures. So it doesn't show them to me at all anymore. I know they're out there because I know every time we're over Jim and Shannon's, she's constantly taking pictures of stuff. And I literally don't ever see any of them. I cannot Hmm. tell you the last time I saw a post from Shannon on Facebook. Even apart from the last, like, eight or nine months when I had my account deactivated. So there's a very good chance that that you're just not going to see anything from people who have different opinions than you. Yeah, that's a that's a very slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about recently, I want my kids to be able to understand. You, you need to see both sides. You, if you really believe in this one side, you have to be able to challenge your own facts because of what you hold up and what you believe is true and is solid, then putting it up against all this other stuff, going and viewing and listening and trying to hear the other side, it's not going to sway you Mm -hmm. because, you know, you're following what you own, your own personal beliefs tell you you should be following. Right. And I think a little bit of a tribalism too. I've heard a lot of people saying stuff like that. That a lot of people just naturally want to take comfort in being part of a group and they mm-hmm. want their group to be right. I mean, I'm sure there have been experiments on this that we could talk about if we were prepared to talk about this sort of social structure and these tendencies mm-hmm. when we were talking about the South Park movie. <laughs> but I think that South Park as a movie, it's funny, I think it's entertaining. And I think part of why it's entertaining is that it's very tight. There's not a lot of waste. Which, I thought which that, is, too, was one of the things that I wrote down in here um, that I noticed, that there wasn't a lot of waste. That yeah, there are sh- the scenes, they cut when they don't need to be there anymore. They don't linger. Mm-hmm. There's not really unnecessary dialogue, even though a lot of it is fart jokes and things like that. Right, they don't, they don't keep trying to push the same joke, you know, I said this, and it was funny. Yeah. Hey, did you get it? Yeah. Oh, it, what? Did you catch what I said? Like, there's movies that have done that recently, and it's just, it's not good. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's actually really, really annoying. But in general, I did like the movie, and I think that maybe it's not a bad one for people to check out now. I mean, it's definitely not for kids. And that's a big part of the movie is this stuff is not for kids. Absolutely, yeah. Don't have them watching it. But also maybe we should be more concerned about the things that our kids are seeing. And maybe we should be more interested in improving our society than just finding somebody to blame for it and to try to cause some kind of conflict there, especially a conflict where you're not interested in talking anything through, Mm -hmm. where you just want to throw down. 
Yeah, you're wrong and I'm right, and that's the only way it can be. So about 20 minutes later. Yes. I okay. like the movie. If you're a South Park fan, you're probably going to like it. I think if you're not a South Park fan, it might be a little bit difficult to get there. Had a great soundtrack. Did it? Yes. 100%. What would Brian Boitano do? That's true, yeah. He'd make a plan the and he'd follow number, through. Okay, that's true. The musical, the Uncle F***er song is going to stick with me for a little while. <laughs> and yeah, what would Brian Boitano do? That might have to make it through into my vocabulary. I actually made a note of that that phrase. <laughs> I was like... They said it enough that I questioned whether or not I was remembering who that is correctly. They're like, Brian Boitano. He's like, the figure skater. That's weird. Why did they reference that? And then they sing the whole song about it. <laughs> and I was like, I wrote it down because I was like, I need to Google who that is because I don't think it is it is who I think it is. No, it was. But it, it totally was 100% is. who you thought it was. <laughs> so what did you think? Or do you have a different perspective on it? Has it changed for you in the last... 20 years since the first time you saw it? Not really at all. It was super funny back then because I was super into South Park. I was 20 years younger. But I still caught all the stuff in it that we talked about now, how relevant it was then, how relevant it still is now. I mean, uh, even the points that aren't like that, it's just Stan trying to get with this girl. Mm -hmm. That'll always be relevant. Like, there will always be movies and books and stories and plays and things about the boy trying to get the girl. Yeah. Like, that's always going to be around. Um, friends trying to... And that's one of the things South Park's always been about. These four friends, plus all the other ancillary friends, and some get more popular over the years than others. Yeah. But them all trying to, you know, make it through this thing we call life. And they do it in a very unique way. I've always enjoyed, uh, almost always enjoyed their commentary on most things. There's been a couple times it's rubbed me the wrong way, but if you're a fan of South Park, eventually you're going to get got. Doesn't matter who you are, what you believe, they're going to come after something that you like. Yeah, they're going to get to you or eventually. A particular issue at some point. So I remember thinking to myself, you know what? I can't. I can't say, whoa, screw them. I'm not going to watch them anymore. They made fun of the thing that I liked. Well, you can't do that. Can't pull a chef. Right? Just leave. Right? You can't yeah. do it. But no, it's as good now. And I hadn't, I mean, I literally had not seen this movie in many years. I've watched it a lot. But it's been a number of years since I actually sat down and turned it on. So many quotable lines out of that movie mm-hmm. that, are, that are fun. But... I'm, I I didn't realize how much I missed Saddam Hussein, I think, until I watched this movie. As a villain? Like a societal villain? No, it just in this movie. Just that character? Yep. I need okay. more of that character in my life, I think. Okay. I mean, Eliza Minnelli reference was <laughs> also like, oh, wow. Haven't heard that since I've been watching, like, roasts on Comedy Central. There, There were a few I noted... You know, a few dated references yeah. or things that didn't hold up quite as well. Like, no, not Brian Dennehy. Dude, nobody knows who that is anymore. Yeah. Do you know who that is? No. Okay. I'd have been surprised if you did like, know that who that was. that name sounds familiar, but no, I haven't. Yeah, old actor, like the 80s, 70s and 80s. 
probably before then as well. Some of the voice work did surprise me in this too, like George oh, Clooney. Oh, Brian Dennehy. He was the sheriff in Rambo, the first Rambo. Oh. Brian okay. Dennehy. Okay. I'm like, hold on, what, but I know, he'll, he's, he's seen that. If he had sprayed somebody with like a fire hose. Then, yeah, then you'd have known. Let him shave dry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, overall recommendation? Oh, I, I recommend everybody see this movie.